And I believe that Katie and I are put together. And part of why our message is what it is about being a healthy CEO is because we actually want business owners to know you can be healthy. You don't have to go through what I went through. And Katie has her own perspective on burnout as well. Like you don't have to go through that. You actually can be wildly successful and fulfilled, but have good quality of life and be healthy too. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode with two of my dear friends and the founders of Chic Influencer, Melanie Mitro and Katie Ersta. After 10 years of scaling their own online brands and developing trainings for other people, helping them scale their own organizations and brands, they cultivated this incredible company to help people navigate and scale through the messy middle of entrepreneurship that so many of us experience. But today's topic is going to resonate with the leaders that listen in because it's all about how to become a healthy CEO, not just physical health. From the standpoint of how many times, maybe you can resonate with this personally, or you've witnessed it in somebody else. I know I've seen it in many of my clients and personally have experienced this and walked through this, where you find the success and the growth at the expense of your sanity or burnout or your family or your joy in the process. And it doesn't have to be that way. So today's episode actually gives tangible, tactical ways that you can develop and go from a stressed out entrepreneur into a healthy CEO, building this empire of a business without the burnout. Leave the burnout behind. Don't wear it as a badge of honor. You don't need it anymore. There's a better way. And it it involves both strategy and intentionality. And I'm so, so excited to bring you these two incredible ladies who have amazing stories that they share on today's episode. If it speaks to you, be sure to share it. Tag all of us on social. We'd love to shout you out and support you in the growth of your own business. Let's get to the show. Melanie and Katie, I am so excited to see you both and to have you on the Luminary Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. I know. It's an honor. So what I'm excited to pick your brains on first, because I just think it's cool. I love, I've worked with a lot of different business partners over the years and and supporting them in business partnership. Some do incredibly well together, some struggle, and you guys just seem to be, uh, it, it just seems to be your jam, or you just do a good job of making it look so, but I would love to hear how your friendship, because I know you guys have been friends for a really long time, developed into a business partnership. Sure. That's a good one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You want to kick it off? I guess. I feel like we both have a, we both probably have some insight into that. I mean, so Katie and I, 
we started out in, let's go back even further than that. We, before we did direct sales together, we went to college together. We both went to the University of Pittsburgh um, and the Johnstown campus, and we were sorority sisters together. So we partied hard back in the college days. And then, you know, once I graduated and Katie graduated, we kind of like went our separate ways, but reconnected. Um, on Facebook, actually through um, just through one of the workouts that I was doing that Katie was doing was kind of a common thread for the two of us. And we've worked in direct sales for the past 10 years together. And it's like looking back now, we always have ran calls and team calls together or mentorships together. And I always felt this very dynamic energy between the two of us where we would, we could just bounce off of each other. We had the same core values, the same philosophies, like the same ways of sort of doing things. And it worked really well. And I always have had this like respect for Katie when it comes to just authenticity, like, like loyalty, like that is like a key characteristic in, in Katie that I've just always, that I've valued. And one random afternoon, we'd sort of been talking about business for quite some time, but we were like, what if we, what if we take all these questions that people have been asking us? What if we actually put it together and, and we launch a business together? And so that was really where, where Chic Influencer started, but it's been easy and it's been challenging. So I will say it's been easy when you see it like that, it looks easy on the outside, it's because we have the same core values. Um, And so that makes a lot of decisions very easy to make. I will say that we, at the end of the day, we're like friends first, but that doesn't mean that we've had to navigate through like our each individual goals and our lifestyles and the way we think and the way that we do things. But it's been, it has been for the most part easy other than just like, you know, just life sort of happening along the way, you know, I don't know. What do you think, Katie? I don't know. I mean, yesterday we were, we were with our business mentor and she did say, you know, I look at both of you and it's just clear that you guys have the, like the utmost respect for one another. And I think that's essential in any business partnership that you genuinely want to see somebody else win and you care about their goals just like you care for your own. And so when I look at not just her business goals, but her personal goals, I take those to heart. And so that experience of working together for 10 years mm-hmm. gave us both an understanding of how we tick or how we work are also our quirks, like things that <laughs> are less than ideal in, in a partner. But when we look at at the end of the day, she and I have very, very similar values. And yeah. so if either one of us are a little bit off or we are not aligned or we're overworking, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, we know how to get each other back on track. Yeah. And I think that is really important for a business uh, partnership. So it's not just about goals. It's not just about revenue. It's really about what are we trying to achieve in our life? And how do we want to feel in the process of doing it? Hmm. Yes. Amen. I think that alone is something that listeners should note, whether they're in a business partnership or not. One, it made me think of a marriage. It's like, this is, these are kind of the rules for marriage too. You have to have those grounding principles that you live by, but you also have to, that you use the word respect, Katie, and that really stood out to me. And I think that should really apply to any 
business relationships we have, whether it's a business partnership or with a client, sometimes you're going to face these massive challenges when you're in that CEO or founder or, you know, creative role that are not what you thought you signed up for, but they're par for the course. But even if it's going to be a tough conversation or a tough situation to handle, when you approach it and approach that person on the receiving end with respect, it's going to allow for uh, good to come out of it. So I'm glad you highlighted that. I would love for you guys to share a little bit about Chic Influencer, just to introduce our audience to you guys and what you do and how you support other uh, entrepreneurs and business leaders. All right. So I'm so excited to talk about this. It was three, a little over three years ago now at this point, Melanie and I were getting asked a lot about how we were scaling our businesses and direct sales specifically. And Melanie has been top in the industry through the company four years in a row. And I was quietly scaling, but seeing a lot of success as well uh, through depth in my own organization. And people started to note our energy when we would be on calls together, when we were doing trainings, when we spoke of one another, even in on stage or whatever it might be, we were always genuinely rooting for one another. There was a lot of obvious collaboration and not even necessarily intentional, but that's just what Melanie and I would do. And so we got out these three big sticky notes and I think we had a margarita in hand, maybe, but (laughs) probably three huge post-it notes. And we're like, if we would start you know, another company, what would it look like? And we started to think about the problems that people had and the frustrations they had as business owners. And and the majority of people that we had worked with at that time were in direct sales. We started to notice things thematically that were coming up. And one of the big things we noted was lack of community or feeling they were out there on an island or just being lonely in in the process they were in of building this business. And we knew that business didn't have to be done that way. And we were living proof of it. And so we decided that we were going to open the doors to first a community membership through the Chic Influencer community, which is over 500 members strong. But on top of that, we have scaled it to the point where we're able to mentor privately. And we also do small groups. And we also have a product called the Make She Happen Planner that helps people understand how to grow their business using the social media platform. And so it is pretty darn cool to look back and think about that day in the summer when we had the post-it notes and the margarita in our hand and to think about that little idea, that little spark, that little light and what it's become today. It's pretty incredible. So I want to talk about this idea since you're both in this role of, you know, we see, we both work with entrepreneurs of all kinds and different levels and you see the word CEO thrown out a lot, like the person at the top of the chain, right? The one that's leading the business and growing it. And a lot of people will wear that label with a badge of, you know, as a badge of honor, despite what is underneath the surface for them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. being in that role comes with their priorities being messed up or not having boundaries or um, their health takes a toll or they become unhappy in their work, despite the fact that they're earning money or you name it. There's not that health check on the CEO. So you talk about this idea of being a healthy CEO as you're developing this business and brand that can, you know, grow into a a high six, seven figure and above business. 
how can you do it in a way that you're you're really obtaining wholesome success? You're not obtaining these little metrics like vanity metrics of success that ultimately mean nothing if it comes at the expense of what matters most. So can you guys talk about what you think leads to the degradation of the CEO, like the person not having health as that owner of the business, because we all know none of us sign up for that. None of us come in and say, I want to be an unhealthy CEO. It just kind of happens. So how does it just happen to so many people? It does. I mean, and speaking from experience, we talked about this when we were interviewing you was just about the adrenal issues. And I, so for me personally, you know, there was kind of a point where every single holiday, as we would go into November, I, and I was the runner, I am your Enneagram three, I am wired to run and achieve. And I like, I will chase that next advancement because that gives me a sense of fulfillment and purpose. So that for me saying no and creating boundaries is incredibly hard. But what I started to notice was that every single holiday season, I was like crashing and burning. And it was sort of this, like, at first I was like, it's weird. I get sick every, you know, Christmas day. Why is it that I end up with a sinus infection and and flu-like symptoms? And about the fourth or fifth year that that happened, I found myself in January going, there has to be something wrong. Like what is wrong with me that I am getting sick and I have all these weird symptoms and I found myself in the doctor's office and I was like, there's something wrong with my hormones. There's something wrong with my hormones. And she was asking me questions and and she said, what's your stress level like? I was like, I'm fine now. Like, but you know, but once we drilled it back, she was like, you realize that all the symptoms that you're having is because you have worked yourself into the ground. You have shot your cortisol, your everything is flipped upside down. You have chronic fatigue, chronic headaches, chronic irritability, you know? And so for me, I remember that like light bulb going off and thinking, okay, well then I need to fix this. And so I started studying because I'm still an Enneagram three, so I can't turn that off, but I started studying like high performers. And I started saying like, is it possible to be a really successful business owner and yet have a quality of life? And so I went on this like 12 month binge where I like scratched the surface. That was like prior to chic becoming to be, I kind of like scratched the surface of like high performance and setting healthy boundaries and learning to say no and not saying yes to everything. And then I feel like Katie came in and she is like the queen of boundaries and she is the queen of saying no to like, I respect that so much in her, but I believe that sometimes we find ourselves in an unhealthy situation before we actually pick our head up and say, Oh, wow. I want to be a CEO. I want, and some people actually say this isn't for me because they feel like it's all or nothing. And I believe that Katie and I are put together. And part of why our message is what it is about being a healthy CEO is because we actually want business owners to know you can be healthy. You don't have to go through what I went through. And Katie has her own perspective on burnout as well. Like you don't have to go through that. You actually can be wildly successful and fulfilled but have good at quality of life and be healthy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't and just kind of being able to look back on those situations. Cause I know I shared with you guys when we were talking for your podcast about how I went through those health issues too, as a direct result of stress and overworking and all of that. 
now I can look back and say, wow, what a gift, because I wonder if I ever would have been able to become who I'm still becoming or even be open to possibility had I not walked through that. You don't feel that way as you're in the moment of, you know, suffering or struggle. But now looking back, I feel like sometimes we're presented with these moments, not just to wake us up, but to open us up to what's really possible for us. So I I can resonate deeply with that. So we know some of the symptoms of someone who's not a healthy CEO, right? They start to feel that burnout. They feel spread thin. They are stressed out. They don't feel maybe joy right now. They, to your point, Mel, when you said, you know, they're ready to just give up because they're like, well, this isn't going to work for me like this. And they think that's the only way. What would be some of the symptoms of someone who has studied, scratched the surface, understands that there's another way and starts to implement, which we can get to the implementation in a minute, how can they expect to start to feel comparatively to the person who hasn't figured that out yet? So I can look back in, in my business. And although I didn't have quite to the degree what Melanie had in terms of her health, I can say I didn't know what I didn't know. And Melanie didn't know what she didn't know. And we were part of a culture that was very focused on hustle. I remember at the time when my burnout was bad, I think one of the top books was Girl Boss. And then it, there were just books that were all about hustle, like just do the dang thing. And we laugh now because we would drink pre-workout right before we would do a call at night. And now the thought of doing a nine o'clock call, not a chance would I be on a nine o'clock call, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And so if I would look back at that season of my life, when I finally realized this is not the way it should be done, although I had heard, I had read books, I had seen other people before me start to talk about burnout, I thought it was a badge of honor. I really thought that is what you do to actually achieve success. You have to burn out. You have to kind of cross that bridge. You have to check that off the box. There's no other way. And then I hit the highest rank in my business. I had achieved an incredible paycheck and I've never felt worse, never felt worse. I felt lonely. I felt isolated. I felt tired. I felt so much resentment towards my business that I thought to myself, I I actually don't know if I want to keep doing this. I could have walked away. I could have walked away. And I remember a conversation I actually had with my dad, who had had some business struggles in his past. And he said, if I could go back, I would find what would bring me joy, like what would make me happy in the business. And he asked me, where's your joy? Like, what is it that makes you happy in your business? What is it that makes you feel fulfilled? And really, I couldn't even figure that out at first. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know. I didn't remember. I couldn't remember anything because I had gotten so caught up in hustle and do that I forgot about the B. And if I could look back, I would say that I had to crawl out of the mud of hustle and all of the do. And I stripped it away and I got into the who I am. Hmm. And I really focused on my spiritual journey. I really focused on who I was as a child of God. I really focused on my relationship with Christ. I really focused on me without having to perform. And that process was kind of long and ugly. And there was going to be times in my business that there was some income dips and there was a lot of prayer that went into it. 
But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful for that season because who I am now is somebody who has no problem letting other CEOs know when their their balance is off, when their priorities are out of whack, when I realize their joy is stripped, I can spot it a mile away and I can say it and speak it and give them light because of it. Hmm. I want to highlight something you said because it just, it got goosebumps when you said it. Me without having to perform. Man, I feel like that is the crux of so many of the struggles that business owners have right now, especially in a social media culture where we feel like we're literally performing, like ring light on, making a reel, performing, or even just, you know, showing up to lead others when we're really in a struggle ourselves and we have to put on this facade. And there are ways that you can elevate yourself in leadership so that you can have the vulnerability of sharing what is true and and the hardship while also not having to be in a place where you constantly feel like you have to freaking perform. That is one of the things that I feel like drives us right into burnout because it's this constant pressure to be whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and you almost have to, And one of the things that I've found, and I've I've always done that is actually separating myself. So it's like an intentional separation. When I feel that pull to need to do more, it's creating space. So early on, it was like, I unfollowed certain people on social media that actually that, that drive to need to do more. A lot of times it was like putting on my blinders. I actually don't I don't, it's okay. Whatever they're doing is fine, but I'm going to run my own race. And a lot of times it was doing what felt good to me, not what somebody else was doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's not, it's not being in circles of people that stir unhealthy drive. It's making sure that you're in circles that honor, you know, the values and priorities that you do have. Like those are things like, and Katie always says, like, you have to protect your peace. And that is so you have to protect your peace. And if something doesn't feel right internally, there has to be space there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you're starting to touch on something that I'd love to build on, which is the things that we can do to implement this change, to go from, you know, the strung out CEO to the healthy CEO. What are some other things aside from, you know, some of the things you just mentioned, Mel, that people can actually start to become, first of all, become conscious of? Because I think a major problem is a lot of the crap that's leading to these feelings is autopilot subconscious. We've done it for so long and it's become so normalized in both our own personal lives and day to day, but also in the entrepreneurial culture that we wouldn't even be able to identify it in a lineup. Like we don't even know that it's contributing to something negative. We think it's even contributing to something positive, like the growth in our business. So self-aware of it. And then what are some things that people can implement or change? Well, I think the first thing is just understand rest. Rest is so important. So like you said, okay, I feel like if I'm getting five hours of sleep a night, I'm staying up late, I'm getting up early, I'm burning the candle at both ends that like, that's, that's a badge of honor. So, but what ends up happening is if we aren't resting, if we're not getting what our body needs in terms of sleep, and even just beginning to track how many hours of sleep you get a night, what that does is your body's not able to repair. 
throughout the night. So you're not, you know, you're more susceptible to illness, right? Um, you're waking up in a brain fog. So you're not actually showing up as your most creative self. You're irritable because you didn't get enough sleep. It actually, it affects your business. You may have more, you know, ADD, your inability to concentrate on the task at hand. And for me, one of the first things I started to do was I'm going to start getting, well, first I figured out how many hours of sleep that I do need. And I always would say, get eight hours of sleep. But I also recognize some people don't need that much, but you need to figure it out for you. And then I started to back myself into it. So no longer was sleep negotiable. Once I realized I had adrenal fatigue and cortisol issues. And the more I researched it, the more I understand, like I'll actually be more productive during the day if I get eight hours of sleep. And so I said to myself, what time do I want to wake up in the morning? And then I actually back myself into, so what time do I need to go to bed at night? If I, if I, I love the morning. So I love a good 5 a.m. wake up call. I'm my most productive in the morning. So that means I'm like in bed at nine, you know, nine, nine 30 at night. And I'm okay with that. I've conditioned myself. It was really hard at first, but I kind of backed myself into that routine. And what inevitably happened was I'm more productive during the day because I am, I can think clearly. I, you know, I've got energy. I'm not irritable. I'm not counting down the minutes until I can lay on the couch and take a nap where guys, I was like taking a nap every day at four o'clock when the kids came home from school every day, you know, for years. And so now that that doesn't happen anymore. So I think the first thing is you have to actually think about your sleep habits because that affects everything in life. You can be so much more productive if you, you get sleep. Yeah. You want to do the next one, Katie? (laughs) Uh, I can talk about health a little bit. I know that Melanie talked a lot about rest and rest is part of health, but the other, other thing that I, I actually take a deep breath saying it because I get a lot of slack for saying this, but as somebody who has had their health, uh, jeopardized as somebody who has really been through a lot with her health, I want to say this very boldly and unapologetically. It's that your health is your responsibility. It is not somebody else's. Nobody else is in charge of how you feel, but you, your body is your bestie and it is constantly giving you signs and fighting for you. And in Melanie's case, her body was giving her signs. Her body was saying, I'm done. I want to shut down. I'm so tired. And when she was ready to run again in January, her body said, no, you need to rest because I've been going at it and fighting for you in so many ways. And you have not given back to me. And so rest is essential. But on top of that, are you moving your body enough as a CEO? Are you actually taking time for yourself to incorporate some type of movement in some way, whether that's cardio or doing something at home or going to classes consistently, are you moving your body and honoring that it's taking care of you? The other questions to ask is what's your food like? What are the things that you eat on a regular basis? For example, I lived on caffeine. I would take a pre-workout in place of breakfast. I would take it at night and then I would call it health because I was part of a health and wellness company. And so it didn't matter that I was taking more than the recommended dose and being aware of what your body actually needs, taking care of yourself. 
And I know that right now it's January 11th at the time of recording this. January is a really great time for you to go see a doctor. It's a really great time for you to make the appointments that you keep putting off. It's a really great time for you to meet with a functional health doctor as well. To really get a full scope, uh, blood panel, everything to see how you are functioning and if that is working for you. And health doesn't just apply to physical, what's your emotional health like? We have been just through a pandemic. How are you emotionally? Are you so focused on serving other people that you haven't stopped to serve yourself emotionally? How are you and where are you in terms with your wellness? And the third one, and I'll just give it back to Melanie is intentionality is really being intentional with your time and, and with the work that you do. So I'll let you speak a little bit more to that point too. Yeah. And when we say intentionality, it, it really is, okay, there are, as a business owner, there are demands coming in from every single angle. There are opportunities. And I've always lived by the principle of if I say yes to one thing, I'm saying no to something else. So if I'm saying yes to that evening call, I'm saying no to sitting on the couch watching TV with my husband, right? If I'm saying yes to that weekend event, I'm then saying no to my son's basketball games, right? And being present there. And so You know, it's not that high performers just snap their fingers and they've created additional hours in the day or they've doubled themselves, but it's really saying and sitting on my desk is my, is my annual goals. Where do I want to be? It's my monthly benchmarks, right? It's where I want to be. And every time something comes in, I'm always asking myself, is this the best use of my time? Is this opportunity like worth me saying yes to? And sometimes my initial response is, yes, yes, we should absolutely do that, right? You just never know who you could come in contact with that could be the next big opportunity. But over the years, I've learned to actually say no, or I'll give myself 24 hours. So I'll actually say to my, if it's something I want to do, I'll give myself 24 hours to really think about it. I'll think about like the costs, right? Like in terms of like costs, in terms of time and like energy, it might be an hour, but what's the preparation look like? Is that going to take away from me getting closer to the bigger goal that of input of time I need to be putting in? And then I can come back and I can respond in a way that really serves me and is for me, but I do it in a way where it doesn't, it's not like, no, I don't want this opportunity, but it's like, I can't commit to this opportunity and give you the best of me, right? Like I'm not the right fit for this. And so that has really helped me with intentionality. And I'd also say is just, I live and die my time blocker. And it's like sitting right in front of me at this exact moment, but I know what my non-negotiable times are within my week, within my days. I know when it's sacred family time, I know the thing, like what my priorities are. And so being intentional about just saying, I, I'm done. Like at 4.30, I'm wrapping up the things in my office because at five o'clock I walk out that door and become mom, you know, and sometimes it's hard. I find myself like, you know, it's easy to kind of find yourself back in the office or it's easy to find yourself on your phone. But I've also, I uninstall, I don't have Facebook notifications. I don't have Instagram. I don't get emails that ding, you know, I, nothing comes through my phone. If you look at my phone, it's a blank screen. It's just the text messages that come in. And I really, don't have a lot of texts that, you know, are business related. It is my family. And so just being intentional about what I let into that space and the boundaries I create 
and understanding that if somebody can't wait for you to respond to an email until you're done watching a movie with your spouse, or if somebody can't wait for you to get back to them about signing up for a class, then they're probably not the right customer for you. Because if, if we want to work with people that have similar core values, they respect, they respect that we don't work on the weekends or we take time off with our families too. And so that, that was hard early on because I thought I had to be right there to make the sale. I had to be right there. Um, but what happens is when you're right there in your business, you're not right there with your family. And so they feel that. And so that's the one thing that is just being intentional. Like how do the people on the receiving end feel when your face is always in your phone or you're always in your office, you know, and, and I will say I am not perfect. I sit here right now, just coming out of a season of, of hustle. Like we, Katie and I had some big goals that we were working towards. And I, I sit here and I say some of this thinking I've really like, sometimes you have to gut check yourself again. I know that my tendency is to swing towards the working too hard, but I always like, I have that North star of, I know what when enough is enough and I catch myself and I rebalance it. So I don't want you to think that Katie and I are perfect at this at all, but I will tell you, we work really, really hard at it. We're always trying to make sure that we keep each other in check too. Um, and we're, whether it's health, whether it's our wellness, whether it's mindset, intentionality, or rest, like we keep each other in check. Um, and we know what each other's values are and we hold each other to it. So I think that's incredibly important. And you brought up family. I'd love to just talk about this element for a minute because a lot of our listeners, for whatever reason, God has put on their heart and called them to two different places at the same time. They've called them, he's called them to their mission and business that they feel truly, truly called to. I mean, this isn't something they can just ignore or put aside, or, or it's not just to make money or to validate themselves. This is really critical to who they are. And then he's also conveniently called them to raise these little people into amazing leaders and not just to keep them alive and status quo and put them in school and get them fed and put them in bed, but to actually make this massive impact in that world too. So mm -hmm. that adds this whole other layer of hold up. It's already hard enough to do one of those things at full capacity and go all in and do it well, but you're going to create these two separate worlds that I have to be in at the same time. So, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of guilt comes with that. Um, more stress can come with that and more feelings of great. I'm dropping the ball. You know, if you're doing great in one, you're kind of dropping the ball in the other. However, I don't think it has to be that way. And I'd be curious your take on that, both from personal experience and if you either of you have any words of wisdom to the entrepreneurial families listening in that know that there is something for them in both their worlds. They were designed that way, but how can they optimize it and do it in a way that is healthy? Yeah. So the first piece of advice I, I hope you take away is give yourself a little bit of grace because raising babies and raising businesses is, is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it is a challenge to do both and to do them both when I say simultaneously, because you're always going to be a parent and you're always going to be an entrepreneur and there is going to be seasons where they kind of weave together. But I also think that your parenting and your business don't always have to be totally separate. What we need to understand, especially for those of us who work from home, who are doing work, who are on calls, who are sometimes going to see their little step into the office when they're doing work, we are constantly modeling a behavior. 
We are constantly showing our kids how we show up. We are constantly showcasing the type of person that we want our kids to be. And so when we show up for our business in one way, we also want to realize that we are putting this little nugget of truth into our children's head, into who they too will eventually become. And so I think one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten is to allow your kids to understand why you're working, to let them know what the goal is and what it actually means to them. When my kids were very little, I remember that They didn't need to know the ins and the outs of the work that I did, but I remember thinking, I want to be able to take them on a cruise. And in order to go on the cruise, I had to work and I had to make money. And so what I did was I created a image that I put on the refrigerator and I let them know that this cruise ship was something that mommy was working towards, that this is something that I was working towards. And every once in a while, I would have to go on a call, but I would always let them know when that call was going to take place. If that meant that I couldn't be at a hockey game or if that meant I couldn't be at something for them, I was doing this for something our family was working towards. And so the goal became something that our family was working towards. And in the meanwhile, as my kids have grown up, they have seen that my work is a direct reflection of our current lifestyle, not with the bells and whistles and all the fancy, but they are able to play hockey because of what mom is able to do. We are able to go to a Christian school because of what we do. And we express that to them so that they understand that hard work is heart work. It is good work. It is work that is intended to be done for the good of many. And so when I look at my kids, I know without a doubt that I'm not perfect. I'm not nailing every part of parenting by any means. If you saw the load of laundry on my, on my bed right now, it would probably stress you out a little bit, but I am a mom who's willing to do the hard work because it makes an impact on their hearts. So if we're willing to know that, then we can show them what that looks like. And we're constantly modeling it to them. That's beautiful. And so poignant for our audience, because I think that's something that it's easy to forget. You know, we know it when we sit with it, but do we really know it? Do we really embrace that and give ourselves the grace that we, we need in these seasons of doing two really big, difficult things at the same time? And I want to close with a question that each of you can answer. Uh, Speaking of parenting, I know everybody's upbringing is so drastically different. For some, the role their parents played and what they learned from those parents came from the incredible good things that those parents modeled for them. And for some, a lot of the wisdom and uh, things that we've learned along the way come from parents royally messing that up, but we you know, we were able to take that insight. So I'm curious for each of you, what role did your parents play or a parent or whatever in imparting leadership into your world or or embodying that for you in some capacity? Well, okay. So I'll go first. I would say one of the big things that both my mom and dad instilled in me was that you never quit 
something that you start, like you see a commitment through all the way to the end. And I remember as a young child that I wanted to quit playing softball. Um, I, this is funny because I'm not a softball player whatsoever, but I wanted to play softball and I went out for the team. I'm, I was on the team, but I stood in that outfield and I picked daisies. I was way more concerned about if my hair looked good in my hat than if I was catching a ball. Right. And I hated it. I hated going to practice. I hated going. And I can remember sitting at the dinner table and my mom and dad both saying, like, you see your commitment through, even if you hate it, even if you don't like it you start, you finish the season. We don't quit in the middle. And so that stuck with me. And then again, when I was in high school, it happened again with cheerleading. Um, I was on this competitive cheerleading squad and the girls, the coach was awful. She was mean. She was very, very nasty. And Uh, my friends actually quit. Their parents made them quit. And my mom is like, there's a lesson in this. We're going to see it through. We're going to finish the season. And I went on to, you know, I went on to make the high school team, you know, and do some other things and have other opportunities. But now I find that that has created some resiliency in me. It's really ingrained in like a figure it out sort of mindset. Like you don't quit a commitment. And I've also instilled that in my boys. And I've always said to them, like, if you commit, you have to see it through to the end. And I hope that my parents influence in that way, you know, helps my boys to become amazing humans as well. And I feel like it served me really well. I just, I have that figure it out mindset because they said you always, you see your commitments through to the end. So that's one. I love it. Katie, you? Yeah. I've never been asked this question ever. So I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, there's probably so many things that I could cover. But I will say that when I was when I was pretty young, my dad owned his his own business, and my mom was raising four of us. And they decided very early on that my dad would be at work full time, and my mom would be at home to raise the four of us. And I watched them as they sacrificed anything for themselves so that we could have a pretty normal life so that we could have the things that we wanted so that we could have some of those nice things. And then my father lost his business when I was in middle school. And my mom went from not just dealing with the fallout of my father's business, but also then now becoming a caretaker and watching her develop her faith. And in the interim also combat the things that people were saying about the things that had happened. And then on top of that, actually continue to still instill in us this belief that you can really overcome anything, but your job is still to be loyal first to your family. And so that I think is something that has really stuck with me and probably a big part of who I am and why I do the work I do because I do believe our stories make a, an impact on who we are and and have a impact on where we're going as well. Hmm. Thank you both for sharing those pieces of your your upbringing. I know sometimes when you haven't thought about it and then you go back to um, the good and the bad or the the hard and the easy that came from our family, it can be a really um, I don't know eye opening moment. And it's for me, always humbling as a mother of like, 
man, someone's going to ask my kid this someday. I better like make sure that I'm giving them something good to to say. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe I'll just start feeding them lines now. Like if you ever get asked this question, this is what you say. Um, But it was such a joy to have you both on. And I would love for you to share the best places people can come connect with you and learn more about you and just stay in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. So you can, you can hang out with us on the gram. We are, you can find us at chic influencer uh, on Instagram, uh, Katie underscore Ursta. That's her personal IG and mine is Melanie Mitro. And we have a website, chicinfluencer.com, where we have all of our mentorships in our community and our planner and our podcast. We also have a podcast, the Make Chic Happen podcast. Um, so you can hang out with us. You're going to get great business advice and life advice. You know, Katie and I really firmly believe in living a just that healthy CEO lifestyle while going after the things that set your soul on fire and making them a reality. So that's where you can find us. Yep. Awesome. Thank you both. This was amazing. And I will make sure to link to everything in the show notes. So you're easy to find. Awesome. Thank you. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.